Welcome to the Cross to Crown Podcast, where we keep the system out of theology and the baby out of the bathwater. We keep the text in its context and the new in the new covenant. Our mission is to help you live intentionally Christ-obsessed in all things. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Cross the Crown podcast. This is episode 36, and we are in the Sermon on the Mount. We are going to be closing out chapter 6 of Matthew today as we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount for the past few weeks, breaking down uh, the, the passages, the scriptures, and showing them to you from what we call a New Covenant theology perspective. What is New Co- Covenant theology? Great question. So what I want to do is encourage you after listening to this episode, is to go to our website, crossthecrown.org, and there's plenty of resources. All you got to do is, is search there for New Covenant Theology. You'll see some uh, uh, great videos done by Doug on New Covenant Theology and also some vintage stuff from um, the Sound of Grace, Bunyan Conferences, and, and other speakers at various times explaining what New Covenant Theology is. So if you'd want to get a good grounding on how to understand the Scriptures uh, from a Christ-glorifying viewpoint, then you need to go to the website and check out all the resources. There. Like I said, there's a ton of resources there. You can get lost in there. I know it's one of those one of those websites where you click on one thing, and then you start clicking on it. So make sure that you book up a whole day, reserve a whole day when you go to that website, because you're going to be there all day just listening and watching and reading all the great materials here. And you're going to see a wonderful transformation of Doug, who's my co-host, by the way. There's a wonderful transformation that takes place on that website with Doug. Uh, you, you can once One moment, he's, he's, he's younger, and he's got no gray hair and no beard. Then he's got gray hair, beard, uh, so back and forth. He's getting older. So you can watch him age. If you want to watch someone age, uh, uh, one of those, those timeline-type photographs, just keep clicking on the different videos and watch Doug age right before your eyes. <laughs> Is that right, Doug? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, so I was uh, uh, I took my family to see Aladdin the other night, and uh, my wife pulls up a, uh, I don't know, Facebook, I think, <laughs> brought up this memory, you know, from a year ago uh-huh. on her birthday, which was Sunday. And uh, uh, she goes, I really like this picture. And what's different about you in this picture? This is a really great picture. And she's trying to figure out, you got new glasses. I said, no, my glasses have been the same for a couple of years. And finally she goes, oh, I think there's more gray in your beard now. Yeah, thanks, babe. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's wisdom. It it happens over time. It's my glory. My glory is increasing. (laughs) Yeah, mine's mine's almost all the way gray. Yeah. I got a little little bit right here of Uh the the reddish, brownish stuff still. But it was funny because when I married my wife, I, I had like, this the mustache was mostly red and and brown and then like most of the most of it was yeah it's just over the last few years it's really gone gray <laughs> so it's it's fine i like the uniform color <laughs> nice <laughs> so how was your trip to universal studios it was good hey you know how i kept saying i was going to get one of those donuts yeah I yeah so, the picture he said you're gonna so send you. i did i didn't get one and there's a reason why there's a good reason um why i saved a few bucks off of that so father's day the day before we, we go to Universal Studios, um, my church, I completely forgot, my church has this little tradition on Mother's Day. They have these little cactus succulent, little tiny plants for the moms. They, at the, when, they, when the service is over, they walk out and they grab a little Mother's Day succulent plant they can put in their window and water every you know, month or something. And then um, the, for Father's Day, 
which and I, you know, being a guy, I definitely think this is better. You walk out of the service and there's this, you know, we usually have refreshments set up. So they've got refreshments table, then they got a father's day table and it has these bacon maple bars set mm. up there. And, um, the, 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 the amount of bacon on this thing, <laughs> I, I, I eat more bacon on that than I did for breakfast that day. So it, it was just like covered in maple frosting and bacon and just, so I got my fill there and I actually realized, uh, once I got to the university Studios and saw their bacon maple, uh, donut that, uh, their bacon was just lacking. So wow. I just stuck with, stuck with the father's day thing and didn't want to be disappointed with the, uh, nice. universal studios thing. So, but we did get donuts. We just, we just got the uh, chocolate ones and uh, the pink ones and stuff like that. And, uh, the uh, large lad, not not large lad. Uh, the, the, what was it? It was called lard lard lad donuts, and then <laughs> the crusty burgers. So, <laughs> wow, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it should help to say that I had chicken though instead, <laughs> uh-huh. covered in coleslaw and all the other fixings. So the chickens right. really doesn't matter. Breaded and fried. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> totally discounts it completely. But we had a lot of fun. Um, lots of rides. Lots of fun. Lots of walking. Lots of walking around that place. So uh, I think we walked some of it off. And I, I got on the scale afterwards to see if I gained anything from it. And all the walking seems to nullify it completely. Nice. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's it for us this week. Um, and now we're home back doing the regular swing of things. And we're diving into uh, chapter six here. Um, gonna going to wrap this up. We, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've noticed... Again, there's, this is one big message passage here, and um, there's there's connections that are established all the way through. So we don't want people to think that there's there's these are taken in isolation. So go back and listen to the other episodes, and you see how these all fit together. Uh, in our last episode, Doug, we were talking about uh, in the last two episodes, we were talking about these these practicing righteousness, these fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, and we were saying that that it wasn't necessarily the practice that was was the righteousness it's the way in which it's done uh that makes it righteous you can do the same thing evidently the hypocrites were doing the same thing they were giving alms they were offering prayers they were fasting but it was the heart uh the motivation that was behind it that made the difference it made it a righteous deed a righteous practice and so the last thing we, we talked about was was uh, fasting and then we move over today and we're talking about possessions or riches, and then we're also going to talk about anxiety. And I love all the different uh, uh, Bible headings for this section as you mm-hmm. come across it. So it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Uh, uh, I think I think it'd be neat to, to go through some of the older Bibles, like from back in the back in the uh, earlier part of or like the '70s or even eight, you know, further back in the '50s, and see what the headings they would have had versus some of the ones nowadays. I think sometimes I notice them trying to use more relevant language sometimes, different stuff. But they often have a, a theological bent themselves uh, when they're placed in there. And so what we're going to do is try and erase the headings, forget those, and just let the passage speak for itself. So let's let's dive in here. Let's start with the first part. Let's look at uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Jesus has just finished up saying stuff things about, he's, he's the, about um, uh, fasting. And I want to actually go back to verse 18 and read the last part right there, because this is how each one of those, uh, the, the almsgiving, 
and the prayer and the, the, the fasting ends with this type of verse here. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he's, he's, he ends with that. So that's the train of thought that he goes into this next passage with. And your father in heaven will reward you. He says in verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where both moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So on the heels of reward from our Heavenly Father, uh, Jesus begins to then talk about uh, treasures on earth versus treasures on heaven in heaven and previously he said that the hypocrites have their reward the, the praise and the glory of people but is he talking about that right here when he says don't store for yourself treasures on earth is he talking about the praise and applaud of people or is he talking about materialistic things uh there might be a hint of the uh the future reward versus the temporal reward but i think he's talking about temporal things here not to not to stack your bank account and collection of things where your 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 heart's desire is uh is captivated by those things right 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 he says don't store up so he's 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 given a command here you know it was interesting um i was reading one commentator who said that um uh he's 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 I'm not sure because I'm not a Greek scholar here, but he was talking about how this really seems to be a, a a command for them to stop doing something they were presently doing rather than just a general command that he was speaking directly to those folks and saying, don't store up. Stop doing what you're doing right now. Um, and we know at least one who had an issue with this uh, was with money anyways was was Judas. But um there was a there was a tradition or a, not a tradition a, a theological error I would say that was often prevalent at that time period and that was that if if you were being financially blessed that that evidently meant you were being favored by God right right yeah we see that over and over again the assumption is and it, and it really is bound up in the old covenant promises right right uh, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't entirely misguided. Right for right. the Jew to believe that if they were keeping the law and obeying God, that he would prosper them uh, financially in every way, temporally. Those were the terms of the covenant. Uh, but here Jesus, again, is is saying that's, that's old covenant thinking. New covenant thinking is much more concerned with God's kingdom in its uh, spiritual and ultimate sense, uh, more so than temporal. Now, we, we want to be careful and always not go the Gnostic route where we separate spirit and body. And, right. and you know, we'll, we can talk about wealth here as we go. It's not inherently sinful. But, it's, you know, what, what is most important to you? And this leads into the worry discussion. What, what causes you—what what occupies your time? What mm -hmm. occupies your thoughts? What, what gets you motivated and, and active and, and uh, excited? Uh, is it your stuff? Or is it uh, living according to God's kingdom values and righteousness? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and that's and, and he, he's going to go into depth more even that in, in the next passage as well but uh don't store for yourselves treasures on earth but treasures in heaven what what is well first of all he says don't store for yourself treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal it was interesting listening to uh one gentleman who was who broke those 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 things down into different categories and and such and and then i mean he spent pages going through the differences and this there's the the worm there likely is a type of worm that was often eating books and uh <laughs> the, 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 the 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 fabrics of this time were often you know the, the moth would eat them and and uh then he would go about uh, i think the word rust is not necessarily translated rust. It means to be can be consumed or be eaten, um, and so that, that it could be some type of locust idea or something like that, rather than just rust. And then then thieves about how they the word actually means to dig in, like a coming underneath the the digging through the wall, the clay wall of a Palestinian house. And he was going on and on. Basically, he said. And to sum it up, what it means is um, all these things are temporal and fleeting. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just chuckle because it's it's funny because how, how so many people take and and something this simple statement and turn it into a whole exposition sometimes of very various details of culture and and climate of the time. But um, so is that is it, that's what he's saying here, right? Is is is, is these earthly things are temporal they're passing they they can be taken from us they can be naturally destroyed um time will take them for from us and so basically is they're not things that you're going to keep yeah we can't take anything out of this world as paul tells us ecclesiastes tells us so it would be in our day of course there's uh there's our our home our cars our those kind of possessions maybe if you have a a collection of something that you find very valuable, uh, paintings or or whatever. But also it'd be our 401ks, our 403bs, in, in my case, um, our portfolios, our investments, all those things uh, where, you know, the stock market, you know, can tank and you can be doing mm -hmm. great when the economy is good. And then uh, if you invested heavily, like during the, uh, the dot-com bubbles and some of those times, uh, when everything comes crashing down, you can lose it all. Think about the Great Depression and other right. and the recessions and those kind of things. So ultimately, our hope must not be, and our our our, our focus must not be ultimately in any financial gain, any worldly objects, those kind of things. Now, doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, use wisdom in in saving mm -hmm. up. Doesn't mean it's wrong to have a collection of some of memorabilia or valuable things, but it, he notice he keeps saying, you know, your heart, where your the, the conclusion there, in verse twenty one, is is really the the landing place for all of this. Where your treasure is, mm -hmm. that's where your heart will be. And I think it's uh, it's interesting. I sometimes as Christians, I think we we phrase that uh, upside down from what he said. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I were trying to raise money at our church for something, it would be very easy to to appeal to people's hearts and their their desires and, and you know you want to you want to give generously and so on and we do that. But uh, the the point is not get your heart right mm -hmm. and then you'll give accordingly. That's not what Jesus says here. Right. What he says here is wherever you're investing your money, that's where your heart is, uh, and and that. So we did this some years ago. We we built a new building for our church, for our congregation, and uh, we did a capital campaign, like is so often the case. And uh, we just told people, hey, we need to we need to raise uh, cash 
to start to launch the thing because we don't want to go into debt, at least uh, minimize the debt, that kind of thing. And what we found was people who had never in, in our current building never said anything about the building itself. They never had had opinions about the building. As soon as they gave to the capital campaign for the new building, now they care. What's the auditorium going to be like? What's the foyer going to be like? How much are we spending on this? And of course, everyone's got their different opinions on what should be spent where. And I just thought that was a perfect illustration of what Jesus was saying here. Once they invested mm -hmm. in this new building, right. now they care. Their heart, in some sense, was drawn to that building itself. If you buy stock in, in Pepsi, mm -hmm. now every restaurant you go to, you're going to yeah. hope they're serving <laughs> Pepsi instead of Coca-Cola, Right. And whatever, wherever your money is, you're thinking about that kind of stuff. And that's what Jesus is saying. So don't, don't invest your money primarily in temporal things. Make sure you're investing in the things that are eternal and build up God's kingdom, because then you're going to care about God's kingdom. Yeah. And, and Paul was saying in 1 Timothy 6, which is where he, he talks, Paul talks a little bit more, more about the money stuff. And well, he says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. Um, the, the parable, the rich fool comes to mind from Luke with um, him storing up all these things, tearing down his barn, building more barns uh, to, to, to put more in there. He's storing, he's storing. And God says, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Um, that comes to mind where, where someone's storing up, storing up, storing up, and then it comes to no good. It's going to go to someone else eventually. And it, we've got Proverbs, we've got uh, Ecclesiastes who deal with this same topic that they, they're living for that. And that's their, their, their joy, their, their good in life, but then it ends up going to someone else um, rather than storing up treasures in heaven, if you will. And um, uh, they're going to leave without it. Nothing we have here on this earth we will take with us. And so Jesus then goes on here in this passage and says, but uh, in contrast to that, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, what are these treasures? Um, has he? I'm I'm connecting it to the rewards that he's already talked about from your Father in heaven for righteous deeds. So, am I wrong in saying that? Because uh, a lot of folks would fire back and say, "Well, no, 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 no. The reward is is um, uh, by by grace, and it's um, uh, has nothing to do with you, uh, your works, anything like that." Am I right in saying that, or am I wrong, or is there a medium ground? No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think the as we've talked about all the way through, the reward is is clearly laid out, and the reward mm -hmm. is it corresponds to what we do. Mm -hmm. And here he's specifically saying, not this, but that. Don't store up treasures here. Store up treasures there in heaven, so that when when you get there, there is a, a mansion that you've built. Uh, there's an old old song um, that's been recorded, uh, and it's I, I think it came from a, a saying uh, some generations ago. But the idea of you're sending uh, building materials to heaven when you pursue mm. the kingdom, mm. mm -hmm. and uh, so the mansion will all have a mansion, but they won't necessarily all be the same size, because uh, the materials that that you know you're sending are no doubt far greater than the materials I'm sending. And, uh, and so your mansion will be bigger. Now, we'll be content, and I won't be jealous of you because we'll be wholly sanctified, and you won't look down on me because mine is smaller than yours and all that. But uh, there, there's, some, there's some truth to that metaphor, I think, mm. of, of saying uh, that's how that the treasure will be there waiting for us. Uh, as God says, you did well. Here is your reward for doing what I ask you to do. 
Yeah, I've heard that same saying. Some of the old timers used to say that that they were they were they were working on their mansions in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I even heard uh, this this one woman. Uh, she used to joke and she would say things like, uh, well, I, "I just added a new knocker to my my door." Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. She was joking, not trying to be self righteous and, and and sound the trumpet, but she was just, right. just she was she was making that type of reference. Um, uh, the thing is, is, is we got to realize that these are real deeds of righteousness, which we perform, which we are rewarded for. But at the same time, we have to understand even here in the Sermon on the Mount, but also the entirety of scripture tells us that the righteousness or the grace by which these deeds are performed aren't from us anyway. It's like God gives us the righteousness. God gives us, um, uh, the, 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 the desire, the will to do these things. And then he rewards us for them. Um, and it's an incredible thing that he does. It's, it's, it's a grace thing over and over again. So even though it's us doing these things, we would not have any inclination or desire to do these things. Uh, we would be, and if we did, we'd be the hypocrites. It's because of God's grace in our life, uh, the righteousness that he's given to us that we do righteous things. Sure. Uh, and, and like everything else that we talk about, you know, there's two sides of the horse we can fall off and we don't want to fall off either side. Uh, at, when someone becomes self-righteous or demanding of God, you mm-hmm. must reward this right. because I did the right thing. You've lost sight of God's grace. You've lost sight of everything you just said, that uh, you you have nothing apart from the generosity and kindness in favor of God. But the other side you can fall off is to actually say, I know Jesus said these things, but that's not what it means because of grace, 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 grace. No, he says it. Our yeah. Lord says it. You will be rewarded according to your deeds. Do you realize every judgment scene in the scripture without exception, uh, as I've looked anyway, there's not a single judgment scene in the Bible that is not specifically said according to works or deeds. Right. And God is not partial. He's going to record reward according. He's going to give according to our deeds. Mm-hmm. So we, we need not throw those out either. It, it's true. It, it's kind of like, and I may have used a similar example recently, but um, you know, my son, he wants to please me. Mm-hmm. And right now he is working the summer. I'm so proud of him. He's working yeah. 40 hours a week for a, a landscaper. He's working hard at 14. He comes home tired, which is great. I love to see him come home, just wiped out and ready to go to bed. And, <laughs> and But you know, he hasn't complained. He's gotten up the next day and said, all right, I'm going to, going to make some money. That's good. And so he's receiving his wages from his employer because that's a contractual agreement. Right. right. But with me, he wants to know I'm pleased with him. Mm-hmm. And so he's working hard to receive his wage from his employer, but also so that I will be proud of him. And he longs to hear me say, I'm proud of you. You're doing well. And I, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I uh, I forget that night I took him out to dinner or something as, and last night I bought him ice cream. And just di- different ways of saying, I'm rewarding you for working hard. Now, in, in this sense, I'm not his employer, but I am his highest authority here on earth right now. And I want him to know he's pleasing me. Mm-hmm. In his mind, you know, if I don't give him a special reward, if I don't uh, take him out to dinner next week or buy him ice cream or give him some other gift, and he comes and says, hey, I've worked hard this week and you've done nothing for me, now we're going to have a different conversation. Right, right, right. I don't owe you anything. Right. But for his desire to be to work hard and to think, I might bless him for that. I might reward him. There's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. And that's the relationship we have with, with Jesus now. Yeah, we, we, I think we kind of live in a, for the most part anyways, in a in a church climate now where when you talk about this, 
works and reward stuff, people cringe. Back when I was a kid, that seemed to be very common, though, actually, to talk about works and rewards. But we've taken this this turn, it seems, um, almost in a hyper-grace era where, where you, you know, it's not about works, it's not about rewards, because if you do, then you make it a work salvation. But that's not at all what the Bible's saying, and we can't just gloss over these statements that Jesus makes about works and rewards. But again, acknowledging that it is by grace in which we have begun and continue on, and, and it's, 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 he's, he's rewarding us for deeds that we do that were done because of his grace in our lives. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would say in the circles that you and I run in primarily, the danger is not as much that people are going to move into a self-righteousness. It's just the opposite. They're not working hard enough to please Jesus. It's mm. the, the, the grace mindset has so taken over that the, the, as we've been talking about through this whole sermon, the uh, pursuing perfection because our Heavenly Father right. is perfect and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and seeking the reward, that's just missing, it seems to me, in, in the circles that at least that I run in. And uh, I think the church is weaker because of it, and there's rewards that are going to be um, yeah. unclaimed, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, one only has to do a, a, a gloss to the Scriptures, to, to New Testament specifically, to find the idea of labor, of striving, of of beating your body, of um, being disciplined, the words like that. You don't have other words that are thrown out nowadays of, of, of just uh, lay back and try to feel guilt-free, um, uh, don't stress about it, uh, let go and let God. Mm -hmm. um, just just uh, you, you don't have that lackadaisical attitude that we see nowadays in, in many churches in the scriptures, it's it's work. There's diligence, um, but again, again, let me stress: it's it's based upon the grace that's already been received in our lives. So, but there you is see, the very the very reason you've now three times right. qualified that right. shows because you're afraid because, of the backlash. You're because, afraid people are going to misinterpret Right, this. right. Uh -huh. You know, I, I was listening to a, an audio book from an author. He's an older gentleman, and he said he's now going to say something that's going to be. He was talking about heaven. He says I'm going to say something that's going to be um, uh, unpopular with a lot of people nowadays. And he started talking about works and rewards. And <laughs> so I thought he even recognizes that the climate has changed, and he's saying some things that are maybe unfamiliar to modern Christian ears. So um, just because of fact you're not really taking the scriptures at face value. So uh, let's let's move on. So so we've got this uh, earthly reward, which uh, evidently from from verse 24 is talking specifically about money or treasures uh, on earth. Uh, then he talks about storing up for yourselves heavenly treasures where neither moth nor rust can destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. So he's just basically saying where that's a temporal blessing um, or temporal um, riches or treasures, the heavenly re re treasure, the rewards, are eternal. They have a, a continuing uh, aspect to them that, that uh, nothing can touch those things. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, and we've already kind of gone through that here, but he's saying here, you, you explain where the, uh, um, uh, you know, the finances, you, you put your finances there, your heart goes there. But here, this is also related to the heavenly treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is, how do we relate that now to the heavenly treasure, though, um, doing these deeds of righteousness, the practicing righteousness, how do we put our treasure there uh, uh or find our treasure there, and then our hearts follow after it. Well, he's going to, all this is heading toward the seek first the kingdom of God, and it kind of started there in chapter 5. Everything's about the kingdom of God. 
So the more I invest in God's eternal kingdom, which which is here in one form now, but in its consummated form, we're still waiting. Uh, the more I invest there, whether it's my time, my money, my my thoughts, my affections, all those things, I'm putting, I'm investing in eternal returns there. So every minute spent. Uh, in prayer, we've talked about every dollar given to build up the kingdom, every minute spent making disciples, every minute spent evangelizing, pursuing righteousness, uh, all of the things as he's been talking about so far, that's an investment in the eternal kingdom and in, in, in heaven, having my mind set on Christ and pleasing him in everything I do. That is, those things are eternal because Jesus is eternal and his kingdom is eternal and my, I am eternal in that place. Uh, and, and whatever that, that kingdom in its consummated form looks like, uh, and we've talked about this before, it's going to look something like the current heaven and earth. It's, it, you know, there's going to be work, there's going to be relationships, there's going to be labor, those kind of things. Um, but the, the people and the kingdom that God has set up through Jesus Christ, that's what persists and, and transcends everything else. So every, everything I do that is building up God's kingdom is an investment in heaven. Yeah. Next verse is a toughie for a lot of folks. Uh, commentators are divided. Scholars have, have interpreted this in various ways and probably gone into more detail than they should. Um, <laughs> Verse 22 says the eye. Now, when younger, I would come across this verse and, and think, hmm, this is interesting. This, this doesn't sound like it should belong here. I'm not sure exactly what it's trying to say because it sounds so different. But again, it is in context with the surrounding verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So what, what's, what, what is the, let's, let's start with the very first sentence. The eye is the lamp of the body. What does that mean? That's a really good question, Chris. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it is a tough one. Um, uh, the eye is the light or the lamp of, of the body. Uh, and like you said, scholars are divided and they, they, the, the metaphor itself, it, it's like when you read it, you think, okay, I think I get it. But when you start looking at the actual <laughs> words, you start questioning whether you get it or not. I think we're better off just keeping it uh, our first impression. Right. Um, so the, what makes most sense to me is, uh, you know, he's talking about the inside again, the heart. Mm. And the eye is is where the light shines. He uses the word lamp here. Um, I tend to think window, but he, he does actually say lamp. But the 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 light inside me starts with my eyes, what I see. What am I looking toward? Mm -hmm. What am I what am I focusing on? That kind of mm -hmm. thing. So if I'm focusing on if if I'm bringing into my body um, things that are pleasing to the Lord, things that are kingdom uh, focus on the king of focusing on the things of the kingdom. I'm treasuring that. Then what's inside me, my will, affection, my my desires, those things will be uh, kingdom oriented as well. If I'm setting my sights on uh, things of this world, then it's going to be dark inside because that's that's a bad. The word pornera, then evil. The uh, if, if your eye is evil, mm -hmm. if you're if you're focusing on evil things then it's going to be dark inside of you, and it's a great, 
great darkness, he says. So I, I would keep this very simple. It's where's your focus? Where's your mind's eye at that's going to drive where the rest of your wills and affection are? Well, let me let me ask you, because you're the Greek scholar here. Um, I don't know if you have a Greek open, but for the, for the word in the CSB, it's, it's healthy eye. Mm-hmm. And some have said good eye. But the word actually means singular, right? Right. 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 Single so how, focus. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do we get healthy out of single focus? Well, they're trying to make sense of the bad eye, good eye <laughs> idea, right? Um, yeah. And so I prefer that just the, the I was going to say the simple uh, definition, which is, you know, double entendre there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if, if your eye is simple, if, it, mm-hmm. if it's simply focused on, if, it, if, it's, if it's on one thing, the word right. simple. Right. Right. Kind of reduces down to the one thing. If your eye is on the one thing, which is Jesus and his right. kingdom, uh, then inside you're going to be full of light. If your eye is focused on the evil thing, the bad, mm-hmm. then your whole body is going to pursue the evil thing and it's great darkness. So, um, again, the translators are just trying to make sense of the idea right. of eye right. and right. is it healthy, is it unhealthy, whatever. Right, yeah, I, I, I see that the single, the single focus is, is upon, going back to verse 24, no one can serve two masters, there has, you have to focus on one of them, and, and that, what you're, which master you focus upon determines whether or not there's light or darkness involved here. Um, so let's, let's jump down then, since we've hammered that passage out, and all commentators need to read this, or listen to this now, so they can get themselves straight. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one, love the other or be loveless toward the other and he will be devoted to one or despise the other you cannot serve both god and money and that basically is a summary statement of of everything he's just said so far um there's this idea that um there's two masters there's 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 god his kingdom uh, and we'll see that's this coming up later on about seeking first the kingdom but god and his kingdom or, or this this or the heavenly treasure or the earthly treasure um which is is in this this verse, money, um, uh, it's it, it's uh, uh, things temporal of this world uh, that would bring what we what we perceive as as blessing or happiness in this world, but ultimately are things that are fading. Yeah, and, and my favorite commentary on this is uh, Mark Twain. Um, <laughs> takes, it, takes it just a little bit of out of context and says this proves that uh, that polygamy is. Um, ruled out of the new covenant <laughs> because a man cannot serve two masters. Um, I, I, he, I think it's important to notice that Jesus doesn't say no one should serve two masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of verse 24, he doesn't say you shouldn't serve God and mammon or God and wealth. He uses a different word there. This is not instructional. This is factual. Mm-hmm. You cannot Right. Uh, and it, and it is interesting that he lays out those two potential masters. Either God is your master, or stuff, uh, you know, wealth, uh, and this could be any. It could go beyond just paper money, but any any uh, anything that's in that category that could be your master. But you're either going to serve one or the other. And again, it, it fits well with everything he's been saying. Um, as we seek to. Uh, to grow our portfolios, we invest well, we, we want to have a savings account, all of those things, which you know, we can come back to in a moment and talk about whether uh, the value of those. But at the end of the day, are those uh, is your bank account your servant or are you serving it? Right. Are you enslaved to your master, which uh, wants more and more and more and more, 
or are you enslaved to King Jesus and saying, it's all yours, I'm your servant, uh, I, I, my stuff is just, it's your stuff, and if you take it away, you take it away, and if you give me more, you give me more, but all of it is to, to be used for your benefit. Uh, in, this, in our day, of course, when uh, wealth is abundant, at least mm-hmm. here in America, mm-hmm. and the poorest of us are some of the richest people in the history of mankind, right. and there's a constant push for more and more and more and more and more, uh, we have to be on guard against seeking money as our as our God. Yeah, First uh, Timothy six, uh, like I said, there, there's Paul goes into this discussion. He says, "But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, a and many fool, foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil." And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And the key there, he says, those who yep. want to get rich, uh, those who crave the rich, mm-hmm. uh, it's not the same thing as working hard and, and earning a good living or even mm-hmm. a, a prosperous living, but where's your heart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, craving it. That's, that's, it's, it's like someone who's, who's that's, again, that's their goal. That's their, what they're living for. That's what they're pursuing and their great priority. And that's, and that's, that's the problem. I mean, uh, while, while there are warnings in the scriptures and, uh, about misuse of finances or, 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 or not necessarily misuse of it, but, but the pursuit of finances as a priority, the Bible also does talk to, to those who do have finances to use it wisely and to use it for the glory. And again, we, we just finished talking about almsgiving if someone didn't have the ability uh, or didn't have money they wouldn't be able to give alms in the first place but those who do have the money are to make sure that they're using it to the kingdom's sake right you know tying some of this together uh you're talking earlier about the um uh the the allergy toward the idea of rewards Mm. kind of exists that kind of goes back to even a a truncated view of what we're created to do we're created to work you know, the, the work was not after the fall. Work was before the fall. Right. It was hard work. It, mm-hmm. it became difficult after the fall. But we as men especially are made to work. Right. And I think we would gain a lot in uh, in just everyday life and in kingdom ministry if we stopped worrying so much about money and started worried about, am I working hard, mm-hmm. both both physically and spiritually, so to speak? Am I, am I, that's what I'm made to do. I'm made to labor. Right. And then... God will will bring the increase as He sees fit. And some people are going to work in in industries where the income is very very high. Others mm-hmm. are going to work in a lower income area. Either way, they're pleasing to the Lord if they work hard. And the same thing is true in our giftings in terms of building the kingdom of God. Uh, some are going to bring a, a, a huge response. Some are going to re- bring a lesser fruit, but they're both working hard if they're seeking to serve the, the Lord. There's nothing. We we just need to take our focus off the money, and the the fruit in that sense, the the reward, uh, the the the, uh, the wages, and just work hard. Strive mm-hmm. to to work hard and let God bring whatever increase He wants to bring. And I I alluded to this a minute ago. The Scripture is clear on. Uh, it's important to Paul tells the Thessalonians, for instance, work hard with your hands and have enough where you're not a need. You, others. You, Others aren't depend. You're not dependent on others. Um, so if anyone thinks that we should uh, give away all of our money to the degree that we don't have enough to take care of ourselves, they're misreading the scripture. Right. No, no. You need to. You your first priority should be to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. 
uh, so that others don't have to give up their money to take care of you. Now, right. there are circumstances, and we see that in, in the Jerusalem church, for instance, when Paul goes around raising money for the, for the Christians in Jerusalem. But it wasn't because they were lazy or because the church in Jerusalem was giving all their money away to some charity or whatever. No, the, the, the Jews were piling on. They, were, they, they needed their daily bread. Mm-hmm. And the way the Lord is providing that was through the generosity of other churches. Right. So all that to say, the principle of saving up and having uh, enough so that when so you're not in need, you know, in our day, retirement is going to be forced upon most of us. Uh, I'm, I'm not inclined to want to retire, but at some point, yeah, even even as a pastor, the church is going to say, we appreciate your years <laughs> of service, <laughs> but we, we're going to need to bring somebody else in. And, uh, and let, the, drool, and the drooling the... is getting a bit much in the pulpit. <laughs> exactly. You know? And so at that point, you know, my, and, and it, it, as the gray is, as I get as gray as you are, um, at, at some point you're going to think, how am I going to earn a living? I'm still, I still have uh, um, bills to pay and that kind of thing. Well, if I've done my job well before that day and invested well in retirement and all that, then hopefully I won't be a burden on others. And if I am, then the Lord will provide that kind of thing. But uh, all this to say, in my mindset, your mindset should be work hard, have enough to provide for yourself and save enough to take care of others and not be a burden on others, knowing that at the end of the day, God will provide uh, however he sees fit. So you're not serving money. Money is not your master simply because, I should say it this way, it doesn't mean that money is your master if you work hard and, and gain wealth. That does not mean you're serving money. It's what do you do with that wealth and where's your heart? Yeah. Let's let's jump into the next section. Um, and it, again, it, it, it this is all connected here. So get rid of those divisions that you have in your Bibles, because uh, this is definitely connected. Because he starts with a therefore, and you know, it's, what's the what's the thing that pastors always say when they see this? What's the therefore? Therefore, that's right. All right. <laughs> Except this in the Greek is literally for this reason. But yeah, for this reason. <laughs> for what reason? That's right. For this reason, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. <laughs> so he's, he's <clears throat> taking the main point of, of the, the last section and then bringing it over, okay? Therefore, because of what? Uh, 
because we're supposed to be focused on the kingdom, uh-huh. not on uh, earthly haves and haves nots. We have a we have an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. So because of that, don't worry about your life. Um, I can imagine some folks hearing Jesus's words here um, in the past in the in the last passage. Again, uh, material things meant okay. I'm I'm going to be able to eat today. I'm going to be able to drink today. And now you're telling me don't even don't worry about that. Just focus on God. And 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 I'm, I'm stressed out because how am I going to provide for myself? How am I going to make sure I have all that I need? My family needs. Um, and then he he says, well, therefore, because of that, don't worry about your life, um, what you will eat or your drink. Uh, about your your body, what you wear. He's he's so he's not talking about luxury things necessarily. He's talking about survival things here, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, we 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 in this country don't typically, for the most part, have to worry about where our next meal's coming from. I know where to go. It's right in that uh, or, or that that white box that's nice and cold over there, mm-hmm. and just dig in there and find anything. Um, and and clothing, we open up our closets and the, it's full, but. Uh, other people around the world, other Christians around the world, they do have to worry about where their next meal comes from. And and here Jesus is saying, don't worry about that. Um, and I'll ask, I get a question for you later on about that. Isn't life more, and, I, and he's going to say this a couple times, he uses the word more, more. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? So what, what's, he, what's he saying? I'm like thinking, okay, well, yeah, but I do need food and clothing to survive uh what do you mean it's what do you what does he mean it's more than that yeah my mom hated this passage uh she <laughs> she was a worrier and uh every time she just felt such great conviction and uh and shame for her worry and then she started worrying about her worry all the time and um <laughs> and uh, you know i've known some other people like that and there's the flip side of that there are people who are like yeah i don't worry I'm, I'm doing what jesus told me to and i you know whether they ever get a job and and uh, ever, you know, pile on the debt because they're they're not worried, they're carefree, their life is good, whatever, God will provide, that kind of thing. And it's hard sometimes to light a fire under them saying, no, no, you need to work hard, you need to pay your bills, you need to, to make a difference in the world. Um, so again, two sides of the horse can fall off. Um, yeah, I think that is the key. The, the more is the key to this whole thing. Life is more than food, body, and clothing. It's not less than that. We do need to eat, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Even Jesus, the man, would have died if he didn't eat eventually. Right. Um, and he needed water and he needed clothing, those kind of things. It, it, it comes back to, again, perspective and where your real passions and heart's desire is. You know, Paul talked about how he learned to be content with much and with little. If he went into a place uh, to preach the gospel, to, to focus on kingdom work, and uh, and th- there was just a lot of wealthy, rich people there, and he ate well, you know, and they, they served fine foods, I'm sure he ate it. Uh, I'm sure he ate it and gave thanks, and this was great. And then he went on another trip up in the up the mountains somewhere and uh, tried to reach some of the tribes up there, and they had almost nothing. They were poor. They're scraping together a few berries and leaves, and he, he had very little to eat, and his his robes are all tattered, and he doesn't know where he's gonna what he's gonna wear next. It doesn't matter at that point. He's not his life does not come crashing down because. He's there for a greater mission, and that is to preach the gospel, to win converts, to raise them up, and that kind of thing. Uh, so when it's when God's pouring out the temporal blessing, He enjoys it. 
when God withholds it, then he, he says, okay, thank you for the times I did have. Thankfully, uh, eternal life is going to be better than this. But it comes back to that perspective. Life is more than that, it, more than these temporal things. If we get so wrapped up in how fancy our clothes are, um, uh, what if we're eating the finest foods or whatever, then we're not focusing on the kingdom and we forget God will provide. Now, I will say, like we've said this over and over again in this, in this uh, Sermon on the Mount, we here in America simply cannot relate yeah. to this first audience. Mm-hmm. As you just described it, we have a house full and uh, our government has virtually guaranteed that we won't starve to death. Right. And, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, Springs Rescue Mission is the place here in Colorado Springs. If I were homeless, I could go down there and I could get one meal a day and have a bed to sleep in pretty much every day of my yeah. life. Yeah. And that's just unknown to uh, the to Jesus's original audience. So we, at least in our context, probably we have to just keep reminding each other, where's your focus? Where's your focus? Mm -hmm. Not so much on not having food tomorrow, because that's that's just unthinkable right now. Right. You know, it it, it almost seems like this section is a commentary on the what he's just said, the two views, you know, the two masters, the two the two treasures where the 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 pursuing of the treasure where one would think that that if i pursue the treasure on earth and have enough then everything will be fine but it actually it promotes worry and, and anxiety in life when you're trying you don't think you have enough and you're trying to make sure that you you've, you've got all these things in order um and and christ is saying that this heavenly treasure view uh, pursuing christ alleviates that anxiety and that worry and that's what it seems like he's 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 commenting in this section right here on what he's just said previously um he, and then he goes on and I, you know i just love G- how jesus uh, br- brings illustrations into these in, into into his teaching and he talks about birds and flowers <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which which again he's on a hillside and um, uh, you know, very likely you've got flowers and grass around there. There's birds tweeting overhead, or ravens, depending on which which translation you're using here. He, he just says, consider consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. And I, in my mind, when I read that, it goes back to the Luke chapter, uh, the the parable of the rich fool who, who who reaped, gathered, and stored it in his barns, and ended up having nothing for himself but uh, to take into the to the next life. Um, or then after this life is through, um, here, here, they're not doing any of that, but yet he says, your father in heaven feeds them. Now, one thing to note is, is that these animals do have to work, you know, they do have to go and, and, and animals do have to hunt or dig. Uh, but it's not like they planted that animal there. It's not like they planted that worm in the ground. It's not like they planted the, the seeds that have fallen on the ground, um, in fact, um, it's not like the birds of the hummingbirds put the food in the feeders out there. <laughs> right. But, and you've never seen a bird walking down the street, head low, dragging. Right. <laughs> and you say, hey, bird, what's wrong? And he says, I don't know what I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm so consumed with worry. Right. About, no, that's what no, they do. They fly around. Is there food there? Nope. All right. I'm going to go over there. Is there food there? Nope. I'm going to fly over there. I'm going to do that. Yeah. That kind of thing. They're not consumed with worry about it. Right. They just go and God yeah. provides for them. That's that's kind of the imagery. Again, we have a we have a calling and certainly working hard is part of that and, and being good stewards and all those things. But the, the the teaching here is don't be so wrapped up in these temporal things mm-hmm. that 
you never fly, that you never see what else is out there. You're not doing what you are created to do. Birds are created to fly around and you know do what birds do. Mm-hmm. We are called to build the kingdom of God. If we're preoccupied with sustenance, then we're, we're not doing what we were created to do. Right, right. I love this. When he talks about the birds here and how much uh, you're worth more than they, that reminds me of another time when Jesus says, don't worry, you're worth more than many sparrows. Yeah. <laughs> and my question is always, how many? <laughs> <laughs> I find that such a strange way to put it. You're worth more than many. Oh, how many? Like 10 or 100? But at what point... <laughs> <laughs> Your mind would go there. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. and verse twenty-seven. <laughs> there's no benefit, and this, you know, as I've talked to my mom, I used to uh, when she would be all worried about things, I'd say, "Mom, yeah, does it does it actually accomplish anything to be worried?" No, and the answer is it doesn't. Now, I think we need to define worry here. Yeah, that'd be uh, good. to to be as we would say, concerned about something, to have our mind going, to even be afraid at some, you know, that word fear and, and worry and anxiety, we use these words all, all differently at, at times. Um, so think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the way we use the word worry or fear, could we say Jesus was afraid of the cross or worried about the cross or concerned about the cross? Yes, in some definition of those words, the way we use it. It clearly was on his mind. He didn't want to do it. There, there was a part of him knowing what was coming, and so he asks, Father, is there another way? Is, can, can you let this cup of your wrath pass? There is a sense of in, in our definition of the word that you would say Jesus was worried about dying uh, on the cross or something like that. Well, if Jesus did it, then it can't be sin, right? So we, we don't want to... I, I saw someone uh, interacting the other day uh, on Twitter, I think it was, and, uh, and, and someone was saying, is it... Is it um, uh, what's the word? Oh, is it, is it a, an effeminacy discussion. Is it effeminate of men to be afraid to go to war? You know, when you were in the Marines, if you were called to action... You know, were you less than than trusting and manly to be afraid to go to battle? Of course not. Right. Is there a human being ever in the history of mankind, a man who walking with a gun, with no knowing there are people over there with guns, that would be like, no problem, I got this. Right? No, <laughs> there, there's a in some sense a fear there, a, a right fear. Yeah. It's what what do you do with that fear? Mm-hmm. And in Jesus' case, he knows. Oh, it's going to be incomparable pain and suffering to suffer the wrath of God. Is there another way? No, Jesus. The Father says we're going through with plan A. Okay, then, Father, give me the strength to endure. He's going to overcome that, uh, I don't know, fear. Somebody may object to the word fear there. At least the way we use it, it seems like there's there's an element of that that, that has to be there, at least um, concern, apprehension, something. The bottom line is, you know, when I get up every Sunday to preach, mm-hmm. Every time I've been in this church for 20 years, yeah. these people, for the most part, love me and and they're encouraging w- what I say. But standing up and handling the word of God week after week after week, there is a certain kind of fear. It's not it's not so much standing in front of people I- anymore, but I want to do it well. I want to have something worth their hearing. I want to be faithful to the to the scripture, all those things. And I go through the process of saying, Lord, I trust you. Spirit, fill me. I believe that you have the power to, uh, to do good things through this or whatever. Uh, that benefits me. Uh, 
-hmm. What Jesus here is saying is if you're consumed with worry to the degree that you're not actually doing anything, then it's it's a wasted time. It's worthless. So what do you do with the fear? That that may be the thing that most people need to hear. You're going to have a fear. In some ways, fear is an involuntary response. What do you do with that fear? And recognize that being preoccupied with these things adds no nothing to your life whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you know there's there's a differences in 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 the anxiety he's talking about here. Uh, it's it's the anxiety or worry that he's talking about here is based on um, uh, faithlessness or lack of faith. I mean, he, later on in, in verse thirty, he's going to call them you you of little faith. Um, it, those of us who, who know our God and our Heavenly Father, we trust in Him um, as a child, trust, trusting in their Father, should not have to worry about anxiety um, in that sense, in, 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 in a, because of the fact that we know that God is sovereign and provides. And, and I think that's the, the, the worry he's talking about here is a baseless anxiety, a baseless worry or fear. Right. Um, it's faithlessness, for, as you said, right. and it's idolatry. We're right, too... exactly. Yep in love with the things of this world and what if i lose them what if i don't have right 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 definitely 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 and and then he goes on of course and goes to the wildflowers next um (laughs) and wildflowers of the field and you know it's funny because um you think about that he 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 relates that to solomon not even solomon was was adorned like one of one of these flowers and uh, I remember, I can't remember where it was at, but I was reading something about um, cultures and stuff like that and, and, and fashions or designs of, of things and how much people try to imitate flowers in their designs, mm-hmm. um, how they're trying to, to imitate nature and, and try, to, try to bring that into clothing and stuff like that. And uh, it, it just it brings me back to this is, is in, even the splendor of Solomon couldn't even match the, the majesty and the beauty, the splendor of the flowers here. And then again, you know, which grows among, which adorns the grass and which today is, is here and then tomorrow thrown into the furnace. And then again, wouldn't he do much more for you? Um, take care, ter- take care of you to adorn you. Um, so is, is he's not saying here, of course, that we're going to end up in, in nice gowns and, and adorned in uh, 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 the richest clothes. What's he saying here? He's going to take care of us. Now, eventually, we will uh, end up with those yeah. wealthy clothes or everything our heart desires will have. Uh, it may not actually be clothes. We may not care then. I don't know. But <laughs> the, po- the point is, if God cares for those things which are going to die even in the next couple of months, uh, like flowers and those kind of things, um, how much more valuable are we? Just trust him. Trust mm-hmm. him. And And yes, it's easy to say, hey, he said... You know, I should I should be clothed greater than Solomon. It, to go there is to miss the point. Right. As he's going to finish this up, seek first the kingdom. Uh, if our focus is on the kingdom, then I'm not really preoccupied with my clothing, with with what I'm wearing, and I'm going to trust him. He's going to provide what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the moment I focus again on well, but he promised. He promised that he's going to clothe me more than the the lilies of the valley and more than the the Solomon. Well, now you're missing the point. Uh, if you're focused on the kingdom, you just don't care that much right. what you wear. Uh, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with style, like you said. God created this beautiful world, and when we have the the means, 
to dress nicely, then then do so. You know, God's. I I, I tell people all the time. I know God loves us because He created the world in color. All right, um, it could have been gray, and, and He created flavors. Everything could be crackers, uh, but He's given us such a, a a diversity of wonderful flavors and and views and things. So we we don't want to reject any of those things mm-hmm. out of hand. But they're not our preoccupation. His kingdom is, in which case you're not going to worry about how much he, what kind of clothes he gives you. Mm-hmm. In verse, verse 20, 22, 32, excuse me, he goes back to the Gentiles again. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, the last time we heard about the Gentiles was, was in talking about prayer, where they babble and they think that they'll be heard for their many words. And now he's going back to the Gentiles. And, and for understanding the idea of a pagan or idolatry, we, they eagerly seek these things. And we, like I said, in the prayers, the reason they babbled or said many words is because they were trying to um, arm twist their God, nag their God to death, um, to invoke certain promises or, or uh, reasons for, for them receiving what they believe they needed. Um, and so it, here they are again. <laughs> the Gentiles are eagerly seeking all these things. Uh, and And your heavenly Father knows that you need all them. And I love the way twice here Jesus brings it back to uh, calling God your heavenly father. Uh, aren't you aren't you worth more than 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 many sparrows? Uh, your heavenly father feeds them. So he's going to do so. so. I love that how he, he brings out that understanding that relationship that these are just birds, these are just flowers, but your heavenly father loves you more and will take care of you more than all of these. Um, do you have any comment on the, the Gentiles seek eagerly? Well, yeah. Again, we we live in a culture of Gentiles uh, who are, you know, money, wealth, power, all of those things. Driving the fancy car, living in the biggest house that that drives so many of our people, that drives so much of the media and the the movies and the things that we see. And it's easy to get sucked into that mm-hmm. and uh, and realize, no, our heavenly Father uh, calls us to store up treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. Think of the 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 wealthiest thing, whoever the celebrity is that, uh, you know, that we might most wish we were in some sense today. Uh, what we're, what's waiting for us is not worthy to be compared to that. Mm -hmm. And for those people today, you know, they are, um, they're gaining the world and forfeiting their soul. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly telling us, no, you seek the eternal things and the reward and the treasure that's waiting, the mansion that's waiting, and the, the prosperity that's waiting us there is, is far beyond anything we could get here. Our focus is his kingdom now so that we can enjoy the, uh, the fruits later. And, and again, the, we are surrounded by Gentiles who certainly eagerly, zealously seek more of the finer things of life, and that's not who we're supposed to be. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's pointing out that again. You you already said it. This is this is idolatry. Um, when you're pursuing the treasures of this world, and you're falling into anxiety because of it, um, you're 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 given given um, to idolatry in that way. And and uh, that's not what we as Christians are to be pursuing and being like. Um, we are to be single minded with one master pursuing him. Let's look at verse um, 20, uh, 33, because I think this is, of course, we verse it, the, the summation, the big, huge verse in this passage here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Um, 
and I remember learning this verse with a song when we were kids. Uh, Seek ye he first. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to sing it, but you know what <laughs> song I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but um, it will be added unto you. So is, is what the old King James says. Is this is this a promise that if if I, for instance, um, and I've known people from the past that have done this where they they left their job and they they want to go into full time ministry, not necessarily a paid position or anything like that. Um, say, for instance, full time evangelism or or something like that. And they said, we're just going to do that and God will take care of us and just tr- trust that, you know, checks will be delivered, food will be delivered to our house or whatever it might be um, and seek the kingdom and it'll be all taken care of. Is that what this verse is talking about? Uh, for some, maybe, but the kingdom, as he's been describing it, has not been what we would call vocational ministry. Right, right. He hasn't hinted at that at all. Right, right. Uh, it's pursuing righteousness. It's all the character, uh, kingdom character that he's been talking about. It's 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 giving and and fasting and praying and and seeking mm-hmm. uh, righteousness to the degree that it provokes persecution uh, from others. I mean, all of those things. We we have such a narrow-minded view of ministry of kingdom right, ministry. Today. Right. Yep. Uh, but we are to live as subjects of the kingdom. And make that our highest priority. And as we do that, he promises to take care of our temporal needs. Yeah, I mean, he just finished praying, your kingdom come. And now he's telling people, folks to seek that kingdom, that rule of God, and his righteousness, in which, of course, he's already promised that the, those who, who hunger and thirst for it will be will be satisfied from from him. Um, and all these things to be provided for you, meaning meaning what? So if I, I, if I, if I practice uh, uh, deeds of righteousness— with a trite heart, all these things will be added to me. What are all these things that he's talking about here that we provide? Well, it's the it's the food and clothing and and okay. uh, and shelter. It's it's certainly those things. But one thing that happens is when we really are kingdom focused, mm-hmm. we are. If that's the eye of the body, mm-hmm. then we're not preoccupied with those other things, okay. and so our sense of worry about them and our desire for them changes. Let me let me give you a pastoral uh, question here. Okay, so you've you, I've I've run into some folks on the streets at times who um, uh, who appear to be uh, at some point in time either repented of, of some sins that were reasons why they were on the street or or fell into hard times uh, because of uh, losing their job or stuff like that. And I said, listen, I, I'm following the Lord, um, I, and and I'm I'm pursuing His righteousness. But I, I have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. I have to dig in the trash cans. I have to um, uh, beg for, for these things. Um, where's that provision that I'm, I'm guaranteed for seeking his righteousness, for, for, for not going out and selling drugs uh, and, and uh, trying to earn, and earn, earn of income through, through wickedness? So what's the question? What do you say so, to so them? The question, the the... Questions, the questions, so, so where's that provision coming from? Um, I'm trying to seek God here. Where's that provision coming from? Because I'm on the streets right now, and, and I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Well, again, we have to read the Bible more than once, right? Um, Paul suffered great. Uh, he he knew what it like what it was like to be starving to death, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, uh, and he didn't cry out, "God, you promised to take care of me." He that was par for the course for him. He understood that. Um, he was so preoccupied with building the kingdom that he wasn't worried about 
food and drink, and the Lord will provide. He didn't die until it was time to die, until, until God uh, right. had him executed. Doesn't mean he had his belly full every day either. So there are, there's providence, there's God's plan for you, there's, there's suffering for the kingdom's sake, and all those things that the Bible also teaches in addition to the Sermon on the Mount. To that person, though, I would have a different conversation. The first question I would ask is, what local church are you part of? Yeah. And because I've had this conversation multiple times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of course they've got every excuse in in the world as to why they're not in a local church. Mm-hmm. I said, well, if you were part of my local church, uh, we wouldn't let you starve to death. This right. is a big part of the how God provides is through other believers. Right, right. But you got to actually be part of the church. You can't just show up hoping to get money. You have to use your gifts. You have to be committed here, that kind of thing. But we do take care of our own. Right. Um, so there's there's another. Several other questions that need to be asked there, but that that is true. It's one of the benefits of being in a church is mm-hmm. uh, I don't, uh, at least the, the churches that I know well, they don't let their people starve to yeah. death. Uh, you know, if, if there's somebody truly down on their providence, so to speak, down on the luck, uh, lost their job, lost everything in our congregation, there's no way that person is going to be on right. the streets. Right. Not a chance. Right. I agree. I agree. It wraps it up with verse 34. It says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I, I think everybody says amen to that section when it says today has enough trouble for itself. But we often do that. We're often we're often uh, uh, not taking one day as it comes and, and, and heading off to the next day to worry about it before we even finish this day. Um, so uh, keep kingdom focus one day at a time. One day at a time. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. It, it, it's if if I'm saying how do I exalt Christ today? How do I pursue righteousness and live in a way that pleases Him and manifests this kingdom ethic today? Mm-hmm. And tomorrow morning, I get up and say, "Okay, today, as long as it's called today, how can I do this?" Then I'm just I don't have, I'm not going to be worried about tomorrow. Yeah. Now, again, that doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean we don't save. It doesn't mean we don't have vision for organizational structures and, and trying to get something done in the long run. But there, there's a place for that as far as effectiveness. But when it comes to uh, where we spend most of our time, if it's all dreaming, if it's all uh, – uh, uh, there's a proverb that talks about how the, the person whose eyes are on the end of the earth – uh, starves to death. It's the person who's concerned with the field right in front of them that gets to eat kind of thing. I'm kind of mashing that up a little bit. But anyway, the point is, there is a place for vision casting and planning, but uh, focus on today. Today, you, you don't know about if you're going to be alive tomorrow, but today mm-hmm. you can please Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard it when I was a kid, and I, I, I catch myself saying it to my my kids nowadays, is, is don't worry about tomorrow. Let's get through today. Yep. <laughs> we got stuff going on today. If we don't, if we focus on things of tomorrow, we can't take care of the things that we need to get done today. So um, I think I think that's important lesson for us not to, to 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 be anxious about tomorrow because we're not not there. And we're if we do that, we're not going to be able to take care of the things for today. So um, good stuff. Well, um, folks, we pray that this has been edifying to you as well as as, as much as it's been to me. And and, and I, I'm really grateful for Doug and for his his Bible knowledge and his pastoral experience that comes into play so much here. And I pray that it's blessed you. If you have any questions uh, that you've had about any of the messages or the, the, the these podcasts that we've done, uh, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, feel free to give us an email at Chris 
at crossthecrown.org, and we'll probably put these together and maybe an end of end of the series questions and answers, um, but or, or comments that you have. I've known people who've, who've had questions and clarifications about things that we've said. Feel free to to send them to me, and then I, then I'll I'll send them on to Doug. Um, so. With that in mind, again, go back to our website and check out all the free resources there. And also, you can check out the books that we have for sale at crossthecrown.org, or you can find them on Amazon.com as well. Did I, did I even have to say .com for Amazon? I mean, everybody knows what Amazon is, right? <laughs> so not the river, the website. Um, <laughs> and until we see you again next week when we'll be diving into Chapter 7 with that great passage, Don't Judge. <laughs> I know as an evangelist on the streets, I get that a lot. You judge me, don't judge me. The Bible says not to judge. We'll be diving into that, uh, that interesting passage next week. But until then, we want to encourage you to live intentionally Christ-obsessed in all things. I ain't so-